I remember watching a Japanese show. That's the original show. It's called Sasuke. And it was on an old TV channel called G4, which is not a thing anymore. And I remember seeing it and going, this is really cool. Like obstacles you get to go through. And it seemed like a cool, like big playground. And then one time I saw the Olympian twins, the Han brothers, these American guys were on it. And I was like, wait a second, Americans can do this. Like, I want to do that. And, uh, and I just stored that away in my brain. I did. I wasn't like, oh yeah, I'm going to go apply. Like I just stored away in my head. I want to do this one day. And then years later, I just saw that there was an American version and I joked with my family about it. And they were like, you should apply, you should apply. And I didn't. Um, and I just kind of had that in my brain. So I just kind of was following through that idea I'd saw as a kid. Welcome back to another great episode of the AIM Podcast. Today we are joined with special guest Grant McCartney, aka the Island Ninja. Grant has an incredible story and we talk about how he got into being a ninja and also all the crazy things he's doing in his life right now and the different challenges he's getting ready to take on. We also talk about his lifestyle and how he incorporates a lot of travel into what he does and so much more. You guys are going to love this episode with Grant and without further ado, we're going to dive right in. Grant McCartney. What is up, Grant? Thank you so much for jumping on the AIM podcast. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me, bro. You are the one and only Grant McCartney that taught me how to do my first muscle up in Miami. Dude, that, was, that was light work, bro. You didn't even need me. You just had to put it together. You had all the strength. So it was, it was dope that you got it so easy. But yeah, man, you're stronger to do that. Dude, it was a lot of fun. That was a really fun event. Waterpalooza. That was man. fun, man. Epic. Yeah, good times down there. Miami's wild for sure, but also like just that many fit people in one area. I was like, Oof, this is a lot. No doubt. No, it was super fun, man. It was fun hanging out with you and spend that time. But before we dive into this podcast, man, I got to ask you about the plants behind you. I know you're a big plant guy, so kind of share some, some of your plant expertise with the audience real quick. <laughs> you know, like uh, I'm here in Houston right now and this is my world and they're alive. Don't be fooled. These are not fake plants. They're all real. They're all real. And they're all thriving behind me. These two monsteros up here were like half that size when I got them. So, wow. um, the, you know, if you pick the right species and I have this big window here that faces the park, so they get good light. That's also important. I can water them once a week and it's good to go. I moved to Houston here to train for Ninja Warrior and I miss Hawaii. So what do I do? I make it, I make it as much as I can remember. You know, I even went olive green on the sheets and the, you know, I'm just the vibe. And also the snake plants, the smaller ones, um, you'll see one over there and one over here in the bottom, those create oxygen. And then, you know, the, the, depending on the size, you can have one of those in your room that creates enough for a human to breathe off of or whatever. So it's kind of this, could add oxygen to the air? I don't know, but if there's all these like, you can look into the, the world right now of like humidifiers and detoxifiers and crystals and people doing all this crazy different stuff for their room. Why not just have oxygen from a plant? You know, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. 
no one talks about that. So I was like, like, just, I like to see them, but also if there is added oxygen, that's sweet too, but you know, whatever. Dude, hundred percent. Like that's actually a question I was going to ask is people that are really deep into the plant world, like really swear by like the oxygen, you know, effects yeah. that you get from like, do you, do you feel it? Or do you think it's just kind of, you just know that science proves that there's oxygen, more oxygen in your room now. <laughs> It, it definitely is something that I, I'm not going in the deep end of like, whoa, look, that's so much fun. <laughs> I don't know. I, one thing you could even argue too is training at a uh, high altitude. You're getting less oxygen. And it's forcing your body to adjust. So to come into an oxygen rich environment could be arguably detrimental if you're trying to like force yourself through the hardship of not having enough oxygen. But Two, I, I train hard at the gym and then I just come here. This is kind of like, you know, my recovery area. This is where I come to sleep. I don't, you notice I don't have a TV. I don't have anything. This is like where I sleep. I don't I think we start to forget that that's what we do in our room. We sleep. <laughs> and like, um, if anything else is maybe read, but I don't even, you know what I mean? I like I come here to sleep. So um, that's why I like, I just want to uh, create that kind of space here. And so sleeping with extra oxygen, this is a good idea, but you know, I'm no professional planter, but I do <laughs> like to see my green walls. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I think it looks great. I think the vibe, obviously there's the, the benefits from the oxygen, but I think just being in a place where you feel comfortable, like you said, like, and I, we can just segue us nicely into kind of your background, but you know, you're no longer in Hawaii. So having still those homey vibes, those kind of yeah. bring you back to those moments is, is really cool. Let's, let's dive right in, man. Let's talk kind of about your upbringing, your background and kind of how you're, you know, getting to the, where you are now. Like, I know you've got that, the background in Hawaii. Like I'd love to hear more kind of about your, your early years. Yeah, man. So I was born and raised in Knoxville, Tennessee and, um, had a very big family. Uh, my dad played football at university of Tennessee and also played professional football uh, well before I was born though. So like, not like I was like a little kid watching him in the pros. <laughs> he played back in the like 1800s or something. <laughs> uh, shout out to my dad though, or the ledge. And um, so, <laughs> you know, I got to cruise uh, being young. My mom was also real athletic. She was also an artist. So she was just like painting on our walls of our house or I come home to the kitchen and there's just like Ivy painted all throughout the whole kitchen or, she painted like a mural of a window in our living room that like looked out to a castle that we actually visited as a family. So it was like, we were back at that memory and it was like really cool. And wow. uh, so it was like really cool stuff. She was just kind of like quirky with it. She I remember one time, for whatever reason, in one of our projects, she got this big fish head. She would paint on the fish head and then use it as like an impression on t-shirts, like make these colorful fish head, whatever. But she named it Fred and talked about Fred all the time. And Fred just lived in the freezer. And then one morning I woke up to Fred in my bed with me. And I was like, what the Fred, mom? She's <laughs> like, Fred wanted to sleep with you too. And I was like, you're a psychopath. <laughs> but uh, my mom was always super fun like that. And so we, you know, it was good. My parents didn't get divorced when I was younger, but um, you know, I still, we had a good time. And, uh, um, and then I kind of, we kind of moved to Atlanta for a little bit and then came back. It was like second grade. And then, uh, and then, yeah, my freshman year of high school, my mom got remarried, but, um, um, I moved to Hawaii when I was 21, my sophomore year of college, um, 
or at the end of my sophomore year of college and um, and just needed to get away to my mom started to struggle with drugs and alcohol when she got remarried with my stepdad also dealing with the same thing. So I moved to Hawaii and um, and kind of did an exchange program to go to school there, came back to University of Tennessee to graduate, get my degree, finished up in a year and then moved back to Hawaii, been there for like the last uh, 10 years before I moved here to Houston. Dude, that's awesome, man. That's crazy. How, how did you like your time out there? Like, do you see yourself going back? You know, I really loved it. I mean, I, I remember in high school, so I was there, I moved there. I ended up winning a skateboard contest series, which fun fact, I was like sponsored skateboarder for like 10, 15 years. I won the, this island wide contest series. And then the company was like, Hey, you should just move back and skateboard for us. And then like, they knew I had a degree in business. So they were like, you can also have your own skateboard shop and open it in this other part of the island. And I was like, you know, I'm going to school at University of Tennessee. And they're like, you got to go to these stupid freaking whatever the meetings are where you, they're all in the stadium. You got to, hi, Procter & Gamble. It's good to meet you. I'm Grant. I have a great Excel. And uh, I love your job. I'm like, dude, I don't want to work at Target. I don't want to work at walmart property i'm like that's what you're telling me i gotta do and i don't want to do it and i just got this degree and i'm like uh now i'm like oh wait move to hawaii and start my own skateboard shop like this is everything i wanted you know and so it was just a really cool opportunity um being out there i, I did learn some things about you know skateboarders are rugged people we're a gnarly group and we like what we like and to get behind selling the things that skateboarders like and have to try to get people to buy more of those things, which, you know, skateboarders, the stuff that sold more were if it had weed, porn, uh, something crazy or gnarly on it, like those sold the best, whether shirts or graphics or whatever. And I just couldn't get behind bringing families and kids in to buy those things when I know that those sold to everyone else. And like, so I eventually decided not to do the business side and just skateboard for them. And, um, and then that led into working at Hawaiian Airlines and then I'm traveling and living in Hawaii and I'm surfing all around the world and top tier, dude, top tier life. It was awesome. So I definitely could, uh, I've thought about moving back. It's just way out there. And if I'm going to continue to do some of the work that I do now, Houston's great for flying in and out. For sure. No, that makes a ton of sense. You, know, you, you touch on travel. You know, I think your experience with the airlines could potentially tap into that, but like, you travel a lot. Like, I feel like it's a big part of who you are. Is that something you've always loved to do? Or is this something you've kind of just adopted as you've done more business or how's that kind of come into play with your life? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that I've come to realize is not that I love travel. It's that I genuinely love people. And I mean that not like some kind of corny way. Like when people, like I was a flight attendant for Hawaiian airlines, uh, and I technically still am. And um, I love to go into work to talk to people. And like, I'd have eight, nine hour flights to up to 11 hour flights. And I'm just talking to people as my job, like making sure people are comfortable, having a good time serving people. And, and they come back to the galleys and they tell me the gnarliest things. Like people will open up the heaviest life stories. And I love that. I love that. Not because I want to know everyone's deepest, darkest secrets, because I love, I genuinely love people. I want to know and work through hard things with people because that's life to me. And so when someone comes on board and they're drunk and they 
are, you know, they're got drunk because they are trying to fly the mainland. They have to do a, um, you know, um, a custody battle with their wife and they're struggling with it, but they're also not allowed to be drunk on the plane. And, and I have to like balance that, but hopefully keep them on board because they're trying you know, play that game with them versus being like, you're drunk and you're not allowed. And uh, like, I'm like, dude, I'm with you, man. Let's, let's figure this out. Because if you don't tighten up, we got to kick you off. So do you want to stay? Like, I get it. You're in a hard place. Let's talk about it. I love that. You know, I, I'm cool with that. So I think that that's why I like travel. You go to other places in the world, you get to see people doing life very differently. Even just like, I just got back from Italy. I've never been to Italy before. The way they roll uh, on food is a very easy difference from America. I got in this cycle here where I'm just going and doing it. Sometimes I get food alone, which I just I grab it and go. I eat in my car or whatever. There is no eating in your car in Italy. All right. That just doesn't happen. There's no eating in 10 minutes. It's a sit down. You, you read the menu and it's a appetizer, a first course, a second course and dessert everywhere I was at. And it's like, plan a couple hours because you're sitting down and you're figuring it out and you're talking it out, you're hanging out. And I thought that's a way people do life differently. I like to see how people do life differently. So I like travel for that fact, not just because I'm like, oh, this is different and pretty. That's cool too. But I think that's why I like travel. I love that, dude. That's super interesting. And I, I just, I appreciate your hard posture because when I when I have interactions in person with you, I, I genuinely believe that like you do love people. And I think there's so much power in not in, like you said, like not getting into the details of someone's lives, but being able to help someone through a situation, a hard time. That's what life's all about is like bringing up yeah. others and making others feel empowered and serving first beyond, you know, what you're doing personally. I think that's so, so good. Thanks, man. And I mean, I'm not trying to freaking pat myself on the back or anything. I'm not like, I'm not Superman. Believe me, I get frustrated with people too. And I'm like, all right, guy, I don't want to help you. But like, also there, if you just realize we're all on this journey thing together, it's, it is nicer. It's a nicer way to approach the world. So I like it. I do. I love it, man. Do you have any crazy stories from the airlines? Like any one that sticks out? I'm sure you have a bunch. Is there one you want to share? That's just... I, I, I'm for real. I'm thinking I'll, I'll write a book one day. (laughs) I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know legally what I can share. Right. Um, I'll, I'll say a couple and I can tell them or cannot depending. Uh, (laughs) okay. Uh, on, on, on the heavier end, um, I've had someone die on my flight and I gave them CPR for two and a half hours because I can't, you can't pronounce them dead on the flight. And so um, that was pretty gnarly and pretty traumatic. I've had a couple people die on me uh, that another time off a plane and it's, it sticks mm-hmm. with you a lot. It, you, you know, you realize the importance of your trainings and CPR and all this different stuff. But um, I've also had like, just cr- like j- legit crazy people, you know, like this one guy, I'll never forget. There's two people I'll never forget. Well, three, because this one lady, a short story, this lady comes in. She's got her hair. You know how French braids are, are braided back, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. She's got them braided from the back forward. Oh, and shoot. they're just kind of like dangling like antennas, right? <laughs> and I'm at the door and I'm new. I mean, I think this is my first flight. And so the way it works at Hawaii, if you come up, you have probation after 
you do two months of unpaid training. And if you fail one test at all, you're out. And it's 3,000 people in Hawaii apply at one time, 80 get chosen. They narrow that down to about 60 that graduate. Wow. So it's a big deal to like do this. And you're like on toes and you're so nervous. And then you finally make it. You get on your first flight. You have nine <laughs> months, I think it is, or something, or six months of, if you do one single thing wrong, it's over. So I'm just like, I'm all nervous. I'm at the front. I'm my first flight. And go, hello, welcome. Oh, welcome on board. What's your seat number? Oh, hello, welcome. You know, I'm doing all this crap. This lady rolls on. You know, oh my gosh. antennas out, right? And I'm like, <laughs> hello, welcome on board, you know? And she just is like real slow in her outfits, just wild. And she just turns and goes, I choose you. And I was like, <laughs> uh, okay, welcome on board. Aloha, welcome on board. Yeah. Well, and I just thought, uh oh, <laughs> you know? And so, it never played out super crazy. I don't, I you couldn't tell sometimes people, you know, taking some prescription stuff and whatever. And, uh, you know, I had a lady one time pass out, legit pass out into my arms. Not like she's like, Oh, and then I like, like she comes out of the bathroom and I thought she wanted a drink and she was attractive. And I was going <laughs> to call space. Hey, this woman was attractive. And she just goes, and falls forward and I just catch her lifeless body and I'm like oh uh, okay because <laughs> I set her on the ground and I lower this lady on the ground and she is out because I know she's out my grandmother taught me you can take your knuckle and you can rub it on somebody's sternum right here that that spot and believe me if you crank on that thing and they're faking it they're gonna wake up but obviously it's a woman. She has, I can't go doing it. Right. She's got to, you know. anyways. So I'm like, can't do that. Well, you can also lightly rub somebody's eyelashes and they'll flutter if they're awake. If they're not, they won't. So I, you know, I'm freaking, I'm dingle dongle on her little eyelashes. That's <laughs> creepy enough. I'm sure. But she doesn't wake up and I'm like, Oh, this lady is out cold. Oh my and, God. Uh, and so I'm, I'm like right over her body and I'm like, oh, is there a nurse, you know, uh, someone, it's the middle of the night on the flight and um, like two people back waiting for the restroom is a nurse and just comes walking up. And I was like, oh, thank the Lord. Like, you know, freaking hands off. I was like, she fell into me. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. And the nurse is like, okay, this is what you do. And right about that time, this lady like just opens her eyes and just staring right at me. And I was like, I was like, hey, welcome, welcome back. You're, you're on the ground. And she's like, you look just like my husband. And I was like thinking to myself, I didn't say this out loud, future husband or like, <laughs> I, where are we at here? I mean, and, uh, and then I was like, mm, this lady's probably married. I need to relax. And so <laughs> helped her back to, I think she ended up um, having some alcohol. She's, you, people don't realize the altitude and this lady was pretty skinny. And so just fully passed out. Wow. So, I mean, I've had funny, I've had crazy, I've had, and I have, I've had some, uh, some of these stories I have not mentioned because I don't think I legally can, but um, pretty wild. Wow. Well, when you write your book and, and you get the legal thing sorted, we'll, uh, we'll have you back on and share more. But I think that's yeah, super yeah. interesting, man. I want to talk. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk about you getting into Ninja. You are the Island Ninja. I think yeah. two things. One, I want to, I want to hear kind of how you got into the actual sport of Ninja, but also how you came up with the branding side of it too. And those are two separate things. So take it away, yeah. but I want to hear about that. 
So um, about, uh, what was it? I've been doing Ninja for seven years. So eight years ago-ish, I, um, I applied to be on American Ninja Warrior. I've had this list of things I've always said I was going to do. And um, actually, a lot of my family passed away within about a year. It was, it was my mom, my grandmother, my dad's mom, my, uh, my great-grandmother, and my uh, stepdad. And I realized, like, within that year, I was like, dang, like, life is super short. Like, you never know what's going to happen. Something can happen to me. So I'm going to, like, take on this list of stuff. And, you know, one of the third things on there was American Ninja Warrior. And I had joked with my family I was going to do it. And, and um, so I, I applied and I uh, got on and I did really well. And it made the national finals. And that I was asked to do other shows that same year. So within like three months, I went from doing no television to three different television shows. And then like I did again the next year. And then I got to like be on the Ellen DeGeneres show. And then I got to go to German Ninja Warrior and other countries. And I got to like, it's just this big, you know, spin of, different things and you know just going back from Italy doing this tv show um which will air in April and so like these different things have come from so I kept doing it but um once I was there for year two the branding kicks off right I have a degree in marketing international business so like I'm on the show and I started an Instagram because I just want to see what would happen and I thought for sure I'm like I'm on national television I'm going to get a million followers immediately. It's Instagram. Did not happen like that. I got on and it was just this slow grind over time to get to the following I have now, but it's, it was not immediate. And there was some stints of big growth and I had, I've had tons of viral videos with millions of views, but none of them would really just like create this huge change. And so, um, branding and figuring all that was really important. I changed all my handles to Island Ninja because, um, being in Hawaii, I don't want to be, I'm not Hawaiian. So I don't want to be like Hawaiian ninja. And, um, but I, you know, could definitely embody a lot of Island lifestyle stuff. And so Island Ninja fit great. And I, uh, I changed all my stuff to that. I created Island Ninja as a business and, um, I started booking gigs through that. So anytime I'd be brought up to host something or to, um, to do social media for something or to do any of these things, it would just fall under that business and uh and i would grow that now to like you know it has i have merch and i have um all different stuff that would do under that and and you know islandinja.com where people can see all the stuff i do or shop islandinja.com where you can buy merch and uh yeah just trying to like make it more cohesive when someone thinks like who are you and what do you do the marketing side of me is like i do so many things i'm into so many things but like if I can at least give a little bit of a umbrella over it. So they're like, Oh, Island Ninja. Okay. Well, what is Ninja? Okay. That's all these things, but it's like, you do this. And it, it was just kind of like the, the branding. You do public speaking. Cool. Oh, you do brand deals. Okay, cool. Like, and have like a list of stuff that falls in the brands. That's amazing, dude. I love that. What, so initially getting into Ninja though, you, I know it was on your list, you sign up for it, but was there something like, were you watching the show or was there just something about your, you know, obviously you're, you're extremely athletic. You're a very athletic individual. Was it, you know, you just kind of the skills you had growing up kind of pushed you towards that style of training? Like, what was it exactly that got you into it? Yeah. Um, I remember watching the Japanese show. That's the original show. It's called Sasuke. And it was on an old TV channel called G4, which is not a thing anymore. And I remember seeing it and going, this is really cool. Like obstacles you get to go through. And it seemed like a cool, like big playground. And then one time I saw 
the Olympian twins, the Han brothers, these American guys were on it. And I was like, wait a second, Americans can do this. Like, I want to do that. And, uh, and I just stored that away in my brain. I did. I wasn't like, Oh yeah, I'm going to go apply. Like I just stored away in my head. I want to do this one day. And then years later, I just saw that there was an American version and I joked with my family about it. And they were like, you should apply, you should apply. And I didn't. Um, and I just kind of had that in my brain. So I just kind of was following through that idea I'd saw as a kid. That's amazing. I love it, man. I love it. I want to know kind of, you've had an incredible ninja career up to this point and, and done some really, really cool things. And I'm sure there's, there's so much more to come, but what are some things like big learnings and you can take this however you want. It can be physical learnings or just like about yourself. Like, what has it taught you? I know it's a very extreme style of training and lifestyle to be, you know, doing those things. And what are some things that you learned and, and have applied to other areas of your life? Yeah, I think, gosh, there's been so many. And I, I guess I just like, because I'm getting older now that I can share some of these things. Yeah. One I just was talking to someone about the other day is success is not like it seems. Um, it's not like you train up for this one big moment and you just do it. Like sometimes it works that way, but more often it's this repetitive thing that ends up creating ses- success over time. It's not like I trained all this once and then I achieved it and it's done. That doesn't happen as often. It happens every once in a while, but like um, this, you know, this new challenge with the world record uh, that I attempted in, um, in Italy, which I can't talk too much about, but I'll try to just dance around till the show airs in April. And it's this, preparing by doing over and over and over so much that when I got onto the show in Italy, I'm not like, okay, this is it. This is the big moment. This is it. Like I just walked up, like it's another round. It's another rep. It's another go. And I think that that's how a lot of great athletes are mentally. Matt Frazier, when he steps under a barbell, he's not like, Oh my gosh, am I going to hit the slip? What am I going to do? It's just another day, another barbell. And that creates success over time repetitive doing the same thing and getting better slowly over time creates a readiness for success that I don't think success is depicted that way it's more like you work and you grind and you do and then you you succeed and it's like no sometimes I've worked really really hard and then failed and I've been like what I worked so hard why did I fail and it's like well sometimes it's not about whether you succeed or fail, it's the, that growing and repetitive work that creates a rhythm that allows for more opportunity for success than failure. So once you get that going, then you just keep at it until the success comes, other than like, it's just going to happen on the one time, the one go. So I just hope that encourages people who, who feel like they're working really hard and not succeeding, whatever your success is indicated as because you've got to, and you'll see little successes, maybe your PRs got higher, slow and slower, but then you find yourself in a year down the road, everything's different. It's all changed. And then there's a higher level of success um, able to happen when you're continuing in that space. So that was just one thing from the other day that I realized is going on. Like it's, you know, instead of just going, I grind because I'm going to succeed. It's like, hmm, sometimes you grind and don't succeed, but you, you keep on keeping on because you're, you're upping the total um, percentage of success that could happen. 
and uh versus like that one moment but there's tons of stuff man there's tons of different depending on what you know spiritually or what physically i've learned or um yeah or how to even emotionally handle ups and downs um i'm right now i'm in the process of learning how to um one thing for me it's big is my faith that i that i believe that god loves me and that um they don't never leave me or forsake me but like I've learned, I've learned that to be true because of these hardships I've been through. The the, the worst moments in life, like uh, when my mom tried to commit suicide and I found her, like I felt like the Lord was still really close to me and I could talk to him and it was like, he was just right there with me. And it was easy. And that's why I learned it's, it's, it's easy once you understand the construct of, of that God loves you and that he can be close in those moments. What's gnarly right now is things are very good in my life. And I mean, very good. I'm very happy. I, I look at my plants, dude. I mean, <laughs> freaking take a look around. I'm living a good life. And it's not as easy to be as close to mm-hmm. the Lord. Now I'm learning. I'm learning to go, man, today's amazing. Thank you, Lord. Not just like, man, today's amazing. Right, what else am I going to do? What is my next thing I want to do? So I'm learning to be close and understand that God is just as good in pain and suffering as in wonderful, great blessing. So that's the new learning space spiritually that has been very challenging. I did not, you would think like, oh, it's easy to see God's goodness uh, and a blessing, but it, it's been for me easier to see how good he is in traumatic times. Mm. Dude, I can, I can relate to that honestly a lot, you know, and resonate with, you know, that whole, that whole hard posture. Like, dude, when things are good, it's sometimes hard to see it. And I think one thing I have to catch myself doing is as you have successes or things start to open up, like, I, I don't want to ever get in the mindset of it's, it's from my doing, like, it's all God yeah. providing the blessing, the opportunity. And he's obviously called us to work hard. He's, you know, he's called us to pursue our passions, the things that he's put on our heart. But at the end of the day, like you said, like it all comes from him. Um, that's good, man. I appreciate you sharing that because that's something that's you wouldn't necessarily think about like that. It's it's like you get in those moments, like you would think, oh, it's it'd be easy to praise God during the good times, but then you get in the good times, it's like, wow, this actually, you know, I've gotta I've gotta keep my priorities straight. I can't let a blessing turn into an idol, you know, something he's given me for good to help me. And now it becomes something that actually takes away from my relationship with the Lord, which is obviously not ideal. So that's that's good stuff. It's challenging, man. I mean, I you know. When you need something, it's easy to ask the Lord for it. And then when he provides it or not, you're like, okay, I did it. But like, it's weird. In a, in a good place in life, you almost try to take care of your own needs yourself. You don't ask for them from him. I, I, you know, if my finances are doing well, which I feel good about now, I don't ask him for provision. I don't ask him for anything even over what it is. Like maybe there's there's no limit on what he can bless me with too. There's nothing to say that I shouldn't ask for even more financial provision right now so that I can do more for more people, but I don't ask for that. And if he says it's better to give than receive, then what am I doing not giving? I'm just going, life's good right now. I got money. Things are good. I'm just good. And it's like, well, no, why is it and not asking for more to give more or show more opportunities to give what I do have, or, you know, and and you got to be there mentally. And that's different when things are good, because when things aren't good, it's easy to see, Lord, I need this. So I asked for something or 
whatever that might be, because I think we still give even in hardship, but for some reason, my heart's easier to give when I don't have, I'm like, I don't have. So I'm like, well, okay, well, I don't have, but I need anyway. So I might as well ask the Lord for it. And here you can have this and versus like, I have now. And I'm like, "Mm." it's like, I don't like let him have part of what it is that he gave me anyway. So yeah, I don't know. Challenging, man. I don't have it figured out yet. I'm working on what that'll be podcast part two. Let's go. We'll be praying, praying for that. I'll be praying for you. And I think that's, that's good stuff, man. I want to kind of shift gears a little bit and talk about some future plans you have. I know you've got a lot of awesome things going on um, with brands, with, you know, what you're doing from a fitness standpoint, but do you have any big goals or things you're trying to accomplish in the future that you'd like to share? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, just coming off of a a big uh, world record, which I can't say whether I got it or didn't get it, but I, um, that was big deal. This is actually the bar right here um that i used um elite material right here carbon fiber um i've got it wrapped and indicators in the middle because i'm i'm holding the bar the mix grip and i'm jumping this thing four feet landing it on these eight by eight inch little lily pads and you're doing the most consecutive hops with a bar as a male and um and going for against world record on the show in italy so that was been a lot of training towards that and the next big one I want to go for is this uh, deadlift, 500 pounds, run sub five minute mile. And you got to do them all at the same time. So you like start your time as soon as you start your deadlift on the track, drop it and take off running. So I'm thinking about uh, giving that a go. Uh, but I have been putting in a lot of work for this one. And, um, and I don't want to just rush right into something else. Like I know it's healthy for me to have a goal, but also this is uh, this is a good time to kind of just, take a breather, maybe celebrate, maybe, you know, just not always be like, I got to be doing the next thing. So um, I do have that coming and I do have some fun brand deal stuff with like RPMs, got a new home gym stuff. They just sent me and I've decked out my whole garage gym. That, that edit will go up on uh, my YouTube here by next week and people can see what I've built at the house. And, you know, if you are on Adam's website too and doing the workouts with us you'll see me like on screen having fun and i have an app coming out soon where people can train and do stuff so i got a lot of fun stuff coming ahead and um but the goals you know i may be going for that deadlift five run up five but i'm always looking for new challenges you, if you heard anything out and about you would you would come up my alley or anything you think i should try yeah i'm gonna do the the 500 pound deadlift sub five miles is, is awesome. We had, we had Michael on the show, Michael Miraglia a couple weeks ago, and he was sharing that. Yeah. And I know Ryan Hall's attempted it. You guys, and I didn't even mention this, you know, we've, it's been cool to talk to all the different 10,000 guys. Cause y'all are so cool and so different, but yet have so many similarities. Like I think you should definitely crush that one. I think you'd do yeah, it. I never want to give that one a try. It's tough when you see someone like Ryan Hall, who has like the world record for American marathon, not <laughs> make it. And you're like, oh gosh, I've never even deadlifted 500 pounds. So I did a month of training just to see where I'd be at. And I got 475. So I'm not far off. You're there. I mean, it's like, that's a, that's a heavy move. No doubt. There's another guy. I, I, I think Nick Simmons was, is training for it. Oh, okay. I think, I think that's his name, but there's, I've, I've seen it. I think it's become a more popular challenge. And I know as of right now, only Michael is the only one who's completed it successfully, correct? I, I know Michael's done it. Hunter McIntyre said he did it back in the day before anyone did it. Okay. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But, you know, he's, <laughs> I'm footage? sure Hunter's able to. He's a, he's a fast runner and can lift heavy, so I wouldn't doubt he could do it. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I haven't heard of many people ever doing it. I think, um, you know, obviously, uh, Clink, uh, Adam Clink did the squat 500, uh, run sub five, but later on in, in the day, same day, not but, same time. Yeah. But squatting 500, holy smokes, bro. Yeah. That's, that's intense. Yeah. So I don't know. I even talked to Nick bear about it. Um, seeing if he would maybe want to sample, but I think he's big in his long distance stuff right now. So I may go up there in Austin. So I may roll up there because Adam's also on 10,000. He's working with uh, Nick. So we may do something. I, I don't know where I'm going to do the attempt or not. And like we are, I'm going to, of course, do a big to do of it all. So maybe <laughs> we'll do it up there at uh, Nick's uh, bear performance stuff. So we'll see. Dude, that would be epic. Let me know, man. I'd love to love to promote that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. I'm going to give it a, I got to give it a good go. I've also learned a lot about lifting and, and there's a lot that needs to change in my technique. And I might just need to hit a month or a couple months of just learning technique, getting more flexible instead yeah. of just going, I'm going to just put on strength, put on strength. Like maybe I need to take a little period of learning, you know? A hundred percent. You mentioned RPM. You, uh, you just did a really cool video with them where you were on the skateboard and a jump rope. Talk a little bit about yeah. that as we wrap this thing up. Yeah, you know, I just have all kinds of weird stuff I'm always trying. And, of course, skateboarding for so long. I'm in there doing a photo shoot, and they're like, well, what do you want to do? And I, there's a skateboard sitting there. I was like, mm, can we involve that? And they were like, oh, yeah, what are you thinking? So I learned to do a double under, like Ollie double under. And I did it with like three tries in. And I was like, I've never seen someone skateboard and do a double under. And I did it. And I was like, everyone's all hyped and stoked. And I was like, I was like, dude, if, you know, I was like, I'm gonna try to kickflip. And I tried a couple of kickflips and didn't really land it. But I was like, double under, let's put it online. And, you know, got a lot of views online. People were all stoked. And then the next day, my homie in Hawaii sends me a video of him kickflipping. And I was like, oh my gosh. So it's on. <laughs> And uh, we just started going back and forth. So I, once he did the kickflip, I was like, I need to do uh, a 360 flip. And I have 360 flips really good. It's like where the board does a 360 spin and uh, a rotation the other way. And so I'm like, all right, I, I must have tried 350 times. I mean, I just wow. sat there trying and trying and trying and trying. And then when I finally landed, I was like, I didn't even, I was like, is that it? Did I do it? Or sure. Like, and so I got the super double under and um, we may continue on this battle. I've got some other tricks in my mind now. I might try a double kick from double under, but uh, you know, just keep the, you know, keep the fun going on the internet challenges. So if you guys see challenges online, whatever they may be, shoot them over DM to me. I love trying them. So. I was going to say, I think, I think you actually accidentally started a whole, a whole chat, like a whole section yeah. of fitness, like the skateboard well, jump roping scene that's the thing is like i i've put challenges up online before that did great and did horrible and i remember my first one i'll never forget because i thought of this idea when i was in um i was in uh sydney and i was at a playground i was working out and i pushed the swing and i jumped through the middle and then i realized like oh i can push through the middle i can drop to the ground and do a push-up jump up and then jump through the middle again as the swing swinging right and it was like this burpee while the swing comes through, swing set burpees is like, oh, it's gonna, it's gonna hit the internet, it's gonna crush, right? I post this video and it gets like zero views. And I mean, oh. no views. And this is back before I had any following. And I was like, this is such a good idea and a good challenge, like what the heck? And, um, and it was about two months later, 
I see this video pop up on my feed and it's people doing the swing set burpee and just eating crap. And I mean, just face planting and it's got millions of views. And I was like, what, how did this go famous without me? I thought of this. <laughs> and I realized like my friend, she posted and she had a big account and she put it out and then someone from her and then so forth. And then what got famous was people failing it, like clipping right. their legs and like eating crap. But I just thought, you know, you never know what we've been on the internet is going to reach people or not. But hopefully my whole MO on, on social media is my mission statement is to build others up. If it's building others up, I'm going to put it up there. And if not, then, it, then I don't want to, I hope I hit the mark on that. I hope I don't miss that sometimes, but like, again, me just putting stuff up that hopefully does that. So challenges like hope people try them and hope they challenge themselves and get excited. But that's what I hope to do at least. I love it, dude. I, you definitely do it. I think you do a great job of it, seeing it from afar. And even you're getting a chance to spend some time with you, you, you definitely build others up. You help them build up to their muscle up and you help them build up in life, man. So Let's go. Really Thanks, appreciate you, man. Okay, this has been an epic episode, dude. You're a legend and I really appreciate you and your plants for, for hopping on this episode. If y'all need any gardening uh, tips and tricks, Check me out on Instagram. <laughs> I don't even think I put these beautiful plants on Instagram. Man. They need the world needs to know, but um, I appreciate you having me on, man. I hope y'all are doing well, and I can't wait to the next outing. What are we gonna do next? What is it? CrossFit Games? What's our next meetup? Let's let's hit the games for sure, man. We we might need to do something before then, though. That's that's not till the summer. Yeah, you're right. We got some time, so just let me know, bro. Let's set something up, man. Thank you so much, Grant. All right, you guys. Good luck. Thank you guys so much for listening to another great episode of the AIM podcast. I really enjoyed that conversation with Grant and loved everything he had to say. If you enjoyed it, I ask that you kindly leave a rating and review and send this podcast to a friend. We want to continue to grow this community, this family, and we want to help each other get after it each and every day. Let's crush it this week. And as always, let's keep ambition in mind.